Good evening and welcome. Right, a few more people coming in. So a lovely good evening from India, a lovely good evening from Paris. So this is, this is great. People from all over the world dialing in to join us, which is such a privilege and a joy. America, uh, England, um, what else? I mean, I don't know. Uh, we've got uh, a huge South Africa coming in. So this is just wonderful to see so many people engaging and wanting to learn and, and grow and, and understand a little bit more about the importance of uh, you know, unlocking emotional intelligence uh, and unlocking your creative thinking and how aligned they are and uh, what we are able to do when we make an effort to, to really, I think, invest in ourselves when it comes to education. It's something that I know Richard and I spend a lot of time and money and um, energy on educating ourselves so that we can impart this knowledge and insight and foresight with people who we come into contact with. So again, thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening. Um, and again, we've got, wow, we've got, um, where are we coming in? Noah's coming in. Um, so that's beautiful. We've got an amazing, amazing, eclectic, wonderful audience this evening. Thank you for your patience, everybody. We will start in a few seconds. I, I think let's give it one more minute and then we'll get rocking and rolling just to give people the opportunity for those who are back at work and actually commuting, maybe they're rushing in through the door and throwing a briefcase or a handbag down and uh, getting ready to engage with us this evening. All right, super. Rich, are you ready to rock and roll? Yes, I am, Phil, and uh, wonderful to be with you again on an exciting webinar this evening, uh, a subject very close to my heart, uh, creative thinking. Uh, I'm a poet and an artist as well as an educator. Uh, so as you know, um, my main subject is emotional intelligence and making the connection between emotional intelligence and creative thinking is what we're talking about tonight. So I'm very excited to be here and welcome to everybody from all over the world. Stunning. Stunning. All right. So um, I can hear feedback. Um, at the moment. Rich, can you hear me? You're sounding loud and clear to me, Phil. Okay. Super, super, super. I've just lost you all of a sudden. Where have you gone on the screen? Um, oh, my hat. Where are you? I've, I've gone all of a sudden. I've lost you. Um, okay. I, I, you can see me, Rich? Yes, I can see you clearly and I can see myself on the screen. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. All right, I'd like to get going then. So a very, very warm welcome to everybody on this webinar, how to use your emotional intelligence to unlock creative thinking. I think what I'd love to share with you is when we learn how to use our emotions to impress the mind or to move our feelings into a space where they can help us to sort of come up with new ideas and solve problems in a, in a creative in a sort of a creative way, we are using our emotional intelligence to really further our aims and achieve our goals. In this fourth industrial revolution, the world we're now living in, this extraordinary world of innovation and constant disruption, the ability to think creatively has never been more important. 
and indeed researchers at the World Economic Forum contend that creative thinking is really third on the list of the most important skills that are required by knowledge workers and leaders in 2020 and way beyond. I'm obviously joined this evening by a dear friend, a colleague, someone I hold dear to my heart, Richard Cullinan, and a gentleman who is incredibly passionate and focused on EQ, creative thinking, exploring the mind and how we can really make a big difference in this world. Um, he is uh, the gentleman who's behind all our programs here at the British School of Etiquette. And there's an incredible connection between emotional intelligence and creative thinking. And Richard is here very much to engage with us. I've got five uh, interesting questions, which I would like to obviously ask you tonight, Rich. And um, it's hopefully gonna be obviously expanding our minds and giving us a new perspective on actual creative thinking. So without further ado, Rich, if you're ready, I'd love to ask you a couple of questions. Great, go ahead, Phil. All right, so my first question to you is, why is emotional intelligence an important key that unlocks creative thinking and innovation? Okay, well, to answer this question, I think we need to have a very basic understanding of what emotions are and what emotional intelligence is. Basically, emotions are an impulse to act. And emotional intelligence is being aware of your emotions and knowing how your emotions impact your expression of self and your relationship with the people around you and the world that you live in. To help us get a clear view of the simplicity and complexity of emotions, I'm going to share a slide where you will see the five core emotions and over a hundred other emotions that emanate out from these five core emotions. So if you bear with me, I'm just gonna share my screen. <clears throat> okay, so on this slide, you will see that the five core emotions are happy, sad, angry, afraid, and ashamed. And from these five core emotions branch out um, at least 20 different emotions from each branch of these emotions. And they can be broken up into different levels of intensity. For example, with sadness, <clears throat> a high intensity uh, emotion related to sadness could be depression or be feeling depressed. A medium level of sadness could be feeling heartbroken or let down. And a low um, form of uh, sadness could be simply being upset. And the truth is we go through all of these emotions um, at different times of our lives. And very often we experience a lot of these emotions uh, during the course of a single day. The interesting thing is that a third of people cannot actually recognize the emotion that they're feeling in the current moment. And this is due to the fact that not many people practice the conscious awareness required to do so. Generally, people go through life having feelings without really knowing what they mean or where they come from. 
Indeed, when it comes to negative feelings like sadness and frustration, we often deny that they are there and quickly change our minds to avoid them. This is because these emotions are considered dysfunctional in the world that we live in today of instant gratification and constant judgment. The sad thing is, when we do this, we miss out on firstly being able to recognize the emotion and its source, which is crucial information for inner healing and personal insight. And secondly, when we stop denying our pain and view it as something that makes us and shapes us, we can use its energy to launch and express our creativity. Moods, although similar to emotions, are slightly different. They are more muted uh, and appear in four different guises, um, which is melancholy, bold, upbeat, and timid. Moods can come and go and often last for quite a time. If we don't recognize our moods and understand them, we also miss out on being able to use them to inspire and fuel critical breakthroughs and creative thinking. In the world we live, to, live in today, and you spoke about the fourth industrial revolution world that we live in today, innovation and disruption are commonplace. Um, in fact, they are the new normal. What might work for or appeal to a customer today um, could be replaced by a new product or service tomorrow. A good example of how rapidly things have been changing is that in the first 90 days of the pandemic that we're going through now, e-commerce grew by the same amount that it had grown for the last 10 years, which is an extraordinary change. Entrepreneurs that have managed to use their feelings of anxiety and frustration uh, to create new products and services by pivoting their businesses uh, are actually doing a lot better uh, than entrepreneurs who have denied um, those feelings of frustration and anxiety. Now you may ask yourself, uh, am I made to think creatively? And my answer to that question is absolutely yes. All of us have been endowed with both logical and creative thinking abilities. Um, and indeed, this is because we can, we can operate both in the left and right hand side of our brains. As an infant, you were able to think agilely both in your left and right hand side of your brain. It's just as you got older and you got educated um, that you were made to believe that creativity was only for artists and designers and dancers and musicians. And that if you wanted to fit in, you just didn't fit the mold of creativity. In fact, many creatives were made out to be misfits and troublemakers, uh, mad Van Goghs, eccentric Dalis, queer Freddie Mercury's, loners and substance abusers who came across as antisocial. This conditioning then caused you to levitate towards the left brain hemisphere and allowed facts and logic and societal norms to dominate your thinking. 
everything else was weird and anathema to the norm. Now, the world that we know, know today has changed very rapidly. And in recent times, to stay ahead and stay competitive, we are compelled to think more creatively. Being able to toggle between the left and right brain hemispheres in order to solve problems and come up with new innovations, either critically using logical reasoning and analysis or creatively using alternative perspective to see things from different angles has never been more important. Now to do this requires being flexible and having a motivated mindset that is underpinned by self-acceptance and self-belief, all of which requires you to develop your emotional intelligence and get in touch with your emotions. Without the self-awareness required to accept and label your emotions and understand their source, you cannot use them to your advantage. Without being able to control your tendency to seek the path of least resistance, you won't be able to overcome the self-doubt and feelings that you need to encourage you to think creatively. Without being able to socially engage with your coworkers or clients in a creative way, you will not be able to create the type of collaboration that's necessary to nurture and come up with new ideas and innovations. Without understanding how people think, act and feel, you will struggle to build relationships and get the best out of people around you. Now, for millennia, artists, composers, choreographers, and writers have used their emotions to create works which have inspired and moved us all. Indeed, creators are attuned to their emotions, and they use them to, uh, to fuel the creative process. Being able to notice emotions in oneself and in others is often the key that unlocks artistic expression. For example, a fiction writer may draw on their own experience of loss when describing a sad character in a book. An artist may draw upon their own experience of sadness or joy when painting mood into their paintings. Creators like these often make themselves feel a certain way on purpose to generate emotions which help with their work. When we can get in touch with our emotions without denying their extraordinary power, we step out of denial and embrace with confidence the reality of the emotions that we are feeling. And this is the sacred fountain of energy that we can tap into, generate new ideas, convey a life-changing message, or indeed develop an innovative product or service. Now, creative thinking is a dynamic process that happens between our thoughts, our emotions, our actions, and the environment that we're in. When we are being creative in groups, we can use brainstorming um, to come up with new ideas and make connections between objects and thoughts and ideas which might seem not to connect uh, logically with one another using random association. 
when we are being creative on our own, we can think outside the box and use our imagination to look at things from an alternative perspective. Now, unlike logical or vertical thinking, which is concerned with what is, lateral thinking is more concerned with what might be. Working across your normal path of logic, lateral thinking can dislodge sensible and logical patterns of thought, revealing new creative ideas and scenarios. Now, just as we are moved by a song, a dance, a beautiful poem, or a sunset, our emotions also move and energize our thinking and action. You might say, hang on, um, our emotions can get in the way of clear thinking. This is sometimes true. However, emotions can also help thinking and problem solving if we consider the specific messages they convey and what activities and tasks would benefit from the different feelings and moods that we have. Feelings act like an antenna, providing us with information about ourselves, our relationships and our environment and propel us forward to think creative. Well, I think your microphone is off. That's one thing. Thanks, Dave. Just keeping the background noise from disrupting you. I love that uh, long answer, but wow, that huge food for thought. My next uh, question towards you now is really, how do positive emotions really affect this amazing creative thinking and this ability? Well, I think when we are happy and as, as we discovered on the slide, and I'm actually just gonna stop sharing the slide now, as we've discovered, uh, there are different intensities of emotion. Uh, so when we look at happiness, you have uh, feeling ecstatic or joyful or pleasant. Um, we tend to create happy things. When we feel happy with the world around us, this emotion helps us to become playful and silly and allows our imagination to see remote connections between things and come up with different ideas quickly. Happiness can be induced by a number of activities, including you know, taking a leisurely walk, having a delicious meal, having a conversation, a delightful conversation with an interesting person. Um, all of these things inspire in us feelings of elation and hope which may be conducive to coming up with new ideas or having visions of what might be as opposed to what is. The exciting expectation and energy we derive from creating in a happy space drives us to convert our ideas into actual innovative designs and things. Now, when you're involved in the creative enterprise and time seems to stand still, I don't know if you've experienced this before, and you're engrossed in what you're doing, um, you can get into a mind space which we call creative flow. Anyone who has experienced this flow that I'm talking about will know that it's a wonderful experience. Because when you're in flow, the joy of creating can fuel progress in a task and allow you to actually concentrate for hours. Um, now, a musician 
might create from a feeling that they remember of a loved one. And that feeling flows through their fingers and into the musical instrument. And so we experience their expression of love. As you know, Phil, I'm a poet and um, I've used my emotions all my life to help me to write and create poems. Some poems are happy and of course some are sad and cathartic. For example, and if you'll all indulge me, I'll share a happy and playful poem, one I'm titled A Million Miles From Normal, uh, which shows how emotions can flow through us to create interesting outcomes. A million miles from normal in a land of mystery and wonder, where grandfather clocks speak and floor mops smile, I hear raindrops pop on the windowsill of my muse. I swim in deep waters to find the fountain of my joy. I let go of wanting to find rest in your secret garden. I open up my soul to find you there in my heart. Now, I just want to share a couple of delightful paintings uh, just to continue with this discussion around how happiness inspires creative thinking. If we look at these two delightful artworks uh, by Andrew and Chabele, who's currently on exhibition actually at artly.com, which is my wife's gallery in art gallery in Johannesburg, we can feel his own joy. And as he depicts a child dancing on the, on the, on the news of the day in a world of her own imagination. Um, if you just look at these paintings, they inspire in one a sense of delight and freedom. And this is how the artist felt when they created these pieces. And so we can see how feelings and emotion impact our creative uh, execution and output. Um, I'm just going to carry on and show a couple of funky and fun product innovations um, where people create as well from a happy place. Um, and there you can see very fun urinal designs and um, these bulldogs are actually Bluetooth speakers. Um, and there we have more practical, um, but still fun designs. Uh, I particularly like the, uh, the suitcase, which is also a set of drawers where you can hang up your, your shirts. Uh, for those of you that travel, hopefully you'll be able to travel soon. Um, what a wonderful innovation. And all of this comes from creating and innovating from a ha happy place. For the final word on creating from a place of happiness from the famous artist, Henri, Henri Matisse, he said there are always flowers for those who want to see them. And indeed, there is always love for those who want to feel it. And that's my answer to that question, Phil. Your microphone is off, <laughs> Billy. 
I'm muting so we don't uh, interrupt any of your eloquent, beautiful answers there, Rich. And I, did, I was just saying that, wow, I've got like chills running up my spine there. I'm, uh, it's extraordinary. It's, um, it really is. It's very, very effective, this uh, hearing you share this with us. Um, and, and I suppose this now leads me on to how is it or how do negative emotions affect creative thinking? Yeah, um, negative emotions are just as important as happy emotions. And in fact, um, you would have realized when you looked at that slide I shared with you about the five core emotions, that actually four of them are what we could deem as negative emotions. Uh, anger, sadness, uh, shame and fear. Now, as I've said, all emotions are important and denying their importance leads us to a lack of insight. Um, and stops us for, from healing on an inner level and, and using those emotions to be creative. Anger, for example, warns us of um, an injustice or even endangerment. Sadness tells us we've experienced loss. Fear, whether real or imagined, tells us that something's out of balance. And shame, whether real or imagined, is a mirror of your perception of yourself. Now these unpleasant emotions can inspire ideas for change. Frustration, for example, tells us that there's a problem and can inspire us to find solutions. Josephine Cochran, who invented the dishwasher, was frustrated with her helpers who kept breaking her china, her expensive china. Uh, a poor meta developed a grocery app called Instacart after being inspired by an intense dislike of the grocery shopping experience. Now, all emotions can be used as a source of inspiration and information for creativity as well as creative thinking, uh, critical thinking. When we feel pessimistic, for example, we are more likely to achieve tasks that involve analytical thinking. For example, proofreading, um, or balancing the budget, or preparing numbers for projections in a business plan. Indeed, after generating novel ideas through the process of brainstorming, uh, which is helped by happy and jovial feelings, one needs to become more serious when you look at the cost and functionality of those ideas. Now, creativity is, is more than just idea generation, and it's more than just coming up with ideas. Vincent van Gogh did not just have an idea to paint sunflowers. He painted sunflowers. Uh, Ernest Hemingway did not just have an idea for a story about an old fisherman battling a giant marlin. He actually wrote the story. I think it's very empowering to note that people don't need to be happy uh, to think creatively. We can draw creative ideas and channel our energy by tapping into emotions like the nostalgia or sympathy or even anger or anxiety. Now, a typical example of people using their emotions in a creative enterprise are actors. Actors know how to conjure up personal memories and channel those memories into their performance and so give us a vivid and believable portrayal of the character that they're playing. 
Creative people understand the link between emotions and the goals they want to achieve and select tasks that capitalize on this relationship. Our ability to use our emotions, whether they're positive or negative, pleasant or unpleasant, to help our thinking and decision-making can make all the difference. You can either react to your feelings unconsciously, or you can proactively use them effectively uh, in the creative enterprise. Let's look at an artist who channeled his unpleasant feelings into a painting which has become one of the most iconic pieces in the art world and has been admired by millions of people over the ages. So I just want to share this painting. Ah, sorry. Okay. So th this is the scream by Edvard Munch, um, who, who painted this in 1893. And I need to, I need to read what, what he said about this piece. He said, I was walking down the road with two friends when the sun set. Suddenly the sky turned as red blood. I stopped and leaned against a fence, feeling unspeakably tired. Tongues of fire and blood stretched over the bluish black fjord. My friends went on walking while I lagged behind, shivering in fear. Then I heard the enormous, infinite scream of nature. And interestingly, this was painted in 1893. And with climate change that we're experiencing in the world today, um, it is as relevant as it was then, and even more so uh, today. Now, Phil, if you'll indulge me and uh, all the people on this webinar, if you'll just indulge me again, I'd like to share another one of my poems, but this time an example which was born out of sadness and loss, um, which is entitled Sunshine's Up Upon the Still. Turn away, you ask me why, fish for friends to stay. Sunshine's up upon the still, tapestries are far away. Try against the fly, rivers bone dry, sidescape, finescape free, lover's tree, baby rock, rock in the lee of thee. Sun shines up upon the still, and still you play at a pace that went, we went to. Do you know the heart of it? Do you know the heart of it? The drop of death in me. Can you see me pass me by? So whether your source of inspiration is a pleasant or unpleasant emotion, being able to discern how you are feeling by using your emotional intelligence, you can choose what kind of task to engage in, which will measurably enhance your ability to think creatively and come up with new ideas and innovations. <laughs> very, very, very powerful. Sure. Okay, Rich, next one up for you is, I really want to ask you is how does your physical environment really affect uh, creative thinking? You see, Philly, to answer that question, um, we need to understand that we are all sense responsive beings. And it's really important to set up the kind of environment that helps you to think creatively and critically as well, for that matter, taking into account what you see, touch, hear, smell, 
and taste actually. So when I create, um, I like a blank canvas and I like to make my environment tidy before I begin uh, creating, whether it's with words or images or even numbers. And now we are all different in this respect. Some people prefer working in a neat and tidy environment like I do. Some people like working in a busy or messy environment. The key thing is to know your preference and just go with that. Um, and then another thing is you must have at your disposal all the tools you need for your creative enterprise. Um, whether it's pen and paper or having the right uh, brushes, paints or canvases available uh, so that once you get going with what you're doing, uh, you don't stop. Um, and also, you know, that you have possibly the right computer and the right software to create a beautiful and inspiring website. I find also that having the right light is important to me. Um, not just so that I can see what I'm doing, but also that the space is illuminated in a beautiful and aesthetic way. Um, music is, is another thing which inspires creativity. And, you know, you might like to listen to uh, certain classical music or Baroque music, which helps balance the left and right side of the brain. Or you might pop, like pop or rock or jazz, or even heavy metal, uh, or you might even prefer silence. Uh, the thing is to choose uh, a sound that is going to help you in your creative process um, and help you develop the mood that you want to create for the task at hand. The key is to be aware of your environment and prepare it for the creative enterprise you wish to undertake. Now, when you get into flow and the ideas and thoughts start coming nice and clear, um, it's important that you don't get disturbed. Um, and like, for example, when I'm involved in uh, writing or, 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 or creating designs, um, I let the people around me know what I'm doing so that I don't get disturbed. Um, I'd love to share with you a couple of examples of Google, Google's head office interiors, um, which they've, been, they've designed to encourage creative thinking and collaboration, um, to show you how a work environment um, can be designed to encourage creativity. Yeah, as you'll see, there's um, a a reception area which doesn't look like a, a normal reception area. Um, something rather interesting. And then there's a play area for people to unwind and uh, relax and chill and enjoy themselves, um, which we need uh, to, to give us the fuel uh, to send us back into the work environment so that we can think critically and creatively. Interestingly, you'll note in the training room in the bottom right hand side of the slide, um, there's a lot of use of the color yellow. Now yellow is a great color and interior designers will know this and that we use, it encourages concentration. Um, here are another couple of examples, um, a little bit more playful on the right hand side, 
with swings, which are normally outdoors in, 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 inside. Um, the key is the more attuned you are to emotions and what triggers your creative thinking for the task you want to accomplish, the more time you will invest in creating the right environment for you to function at a higher frequency and at a higher level of execution. Your microphone. Your mic is still off there. Oh, okay, I'm unmuting. There we go. Right. Gee, Rich. I think uh, actually, interestingly, um, I was in the city just before lockdown at a, at a place called WeWork. And that's exactly the, uh, the, 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 the sort of profile they've adopted is they've taken the Google model. And um, when you go in there, you must see the energy. I mean, you feel the energy. It's actually quite extraordinary. So the next question and the final question for this evening before we open up to, to the floor here is really how do you, uh, sort of leaders use their emotional intelligence to sort of unlock employees' creative thinking and problem-solving abilities? What is it that triggers? Yeah, look, I think leaders need to consider solving problems in two ways. Uh, using critical thinking and analysis to solve problems is something that most leaders are accustomed to. Um, on the other hand, employing novel ways at solving problems using creative thinking, whether it's brainstorming or lateral thinking, um, they're less accustomed uh, to using that. Now, most business commentators and leadership experts today will tell you that agile thinking and the use of agile methods is not only um, critical for survival, but it's also critical to remaining competitive uh, in a world that is changing so rapidly. So by having this mindset um, of using critical as well as creative thinking, I think leaders are halfway there when it comes to being innovative and coping with constant disruption in their, in their marketplace. The other half, in my view, and critical to effective leadership is their emotional intelligence and how this impacts the team members that they work with. For example, if a leader can notice that their employees are dissatisfied, they can empower them and support them to channel this dissatisfaction into creating improvements at work and harness the power of emotion by doing so and for the team's benefit. When leaders can help their team members cope with unpleasant emotions like working through frustrations or disappointment, they help remove the obstacles that get in the way of creative thinking and critical analysis. So by developing this awareness and learning more about the effect of emotions uh, in work outcomes, leaders can really help their employees. For example, when a leader is aware that their team members are happy with the initial ideas that they've come up with, this feeling can lead the team members to prematurely accept substandard solutions. If the leader then brings in a voice of reason and also encourages the team to dig deeper and go deeper and find more solutions without discouraging their creative thinking, the outcomes are far better than the initial flush of happiness uh, that substandard solutions might give the team members. So 
In broad strokes, Phil, when a leader is self-aware and self-managed, they are in touch with their emotions and their behavior. When they develop their social awareness and relationship management skills, they're far better equipped to motivate their staff and respond effectively to the emotions which drive performance. Emotionally intelligent leaders are not only connected to the task at hand, but are also deeply connected to the human impulse that drives, uh, drives performance, which is emotion. Now, I just wanna end off with a wonderful quote by Maya Angelou, who said that people will not remember you for what you did, but rather for how you made them feel. This is absolutely true in business and leaders who have a highly attuned sense of their own emotions and the emotions of the people that work with them. And they have a developed sense of empathy are undoubtedly the leaders that achieve great success uh, in their careers and in the businesses they work in. So, Phil, as you know, um, I've developed three wonderful courses um, for the British School of Etiquette around emotional intelligence. And if everybody will just bear with me, um, I'd just like to share those three courses with everybody before we get into the Q&A session. So our, our premium program is called Leading with Emotional Intelligence. It's a mediated online course, which, which I facilitate. Um, it's made up, it's a seven week program and it's made up of seven two hour online sessions. Um, if you attend this program, you will receive seven books of knowledge um, with really incredible exercises, which are life changing not only for yourself, but for your team members. Uh, I think at last count, we had over 25 um, amazing exercises that go with this program. Uh, the program has been accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management in the United Kingdom, um, as well as CPD standards in the UK, Continuous Professional Development Standards in the UK. Um, so you will receive, after attending this program, an ILM certificate, um, as well as an internationally recognized certificate from the British School of Etiquette. Now, our normal price for this program is £1,465. And what we've done is we've come up with a special um, for all of you that are attending this webinar tonight and we're giving off 15%, which is an extraordinary opportunity uh, to invest in yourself, particularly if you're a professional um, or you run your own business or you're in a position of leadership in the business that you work in. Uh, so at £1,245, um, it's an extraordinary opportunity to invest in yourself. If you'd like to book, use the special code AUTUMN15 to get your discount on the website uh, when you check out from your purchase. The second program is Emotional Intelligence and Personal Mastery, which is also a mediated uh, online course, which um, I'm facilitating. It's a five week program, um, and it consists of five two hour mediated sessions. You'll get five books of knowledge, 
also with incredible exercises um, that are really fundamentally life-changing. Um, this course is for anybody, uh, whether you're a parent um, or a knowledge worker, or even if you are in leadership and you want a foundational understanding um, of emotional intelligence and you want to develop the skill of self-awareness, self-management, relationship management, and social awareness. Our normal price for this program is 1165 pounds, and we are offering a 15% discount uh, to the people on this webinar. It's under a thousand pounds at 990 pounds, an extraordinary opportunity um, that will change your life. Let me just say at this juncture, um, when I started on the journey, now I've been in, in education for the last 15 years, but it was only two years ago that I truly uh, did a deep dive into emotional intelligence. And being diagnosed with adult ADHD, I suffered from impulse control, anger issues, and a heightened sense of anxiety. Uh, and this impacted my relationships with the people closest to me. Um, after developing these programs, um, and in fact, I've written a book on leading with emotional intelligence, it has absolutely changed my life. So I'm a walking, talking example of how emotional intelligence skills can absolutely uh, change your life. Uh, if you want to attend this program, also use the special code AUTUMN15 to get your discount on our website. The final course is a three-hour mediated short course, um, which we're running on the 30th of September. Um, know yourself, know others. You get one book of knowledge and three fantastic exercises. Um, one which will show you what your dominant personality traits are. One which will show you what your dominant intelligence is as defined by Howard Gardner, the Harvard professor, who came up with a theory of multiple intelligences, multiple intelligences theory. Um, and also we look at love languages and um, we have an amazing little quiz for you, which will uncover um, what your dominant love languages are. This is a fun, exciting um, journey into the self um, and will help you to communicate uh, better with people around you because by understanding yourself, you will learn to understand other people using these tools. Again, use the Autumn 15 uh, code when you, when you book online. At 165 pounds, this is an extraordinary, extraordinary deal. Um, and Phil, that ends my presentation. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me this evening. And I really look forward to the Q&A um, and would just love to take you know, questions from, from our wonderful people on the webinar tonight. Super. So that then opens to, to the floor. Thanks very much. I just would love to reiterate and thank you all very much for staying on. You know, everyone pretty much that joined the webinar this evening has stayed on. So you've obviously hopefully struck a chord uh, and giving people a lot of food for thought. Uh, as the founder of the British School of Etiquette, the one area that I'm well, very blessed with is growing up and, and the importance and how powerful EQ is. And, I, and the reason, one of the many reasons why the British School of Etiquette was founded was purely to sort of get people to understand that the head and the heart are connected and that 
when you've got good EQ and when you use your emotional intelligence, it really will open the most incredible doors for you right across the world, right across the board. You know, and it's almost impossible to, to sort of adopt bad, bad manners and bad etiquette um, in, 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 in that sort of sense, because you really do have such an amazing sort of, you know, we talk about situational awareness, we talk about understanding people's feelings, emotions, understanding our own feeling and emotions and how we can benefit. We can really, really sort of use that as a platform to leverage off. So, you know, we've had uh, quite a few people go through uh, these courses, but they've only been live for a very, very short while. Um, we recently had five incredible um, diverse eclectic group uh, of, of people on the last leading with emotional intelligence. And I know for a fact that there are organizations out there delivering EQ, but I would honestly say with hand on heart that this here, these programs are so current. You have the ability to really connect with us, engage with us. And for those of you who are on the webinar this evening, who've had the experience with the British School of Etiquette in the past and are incredible, not just longstanding students, but friends, people who we, who we, we chat to, maybe not overly regularly, but the doors, as you know, is always open. So when you do engage with our organization, it very much is about your connecting with an organization that genuinely will have that door wide open for you at any point in time. Because right now, more than ever before, and this makes me incredibly emotional, is that we need to help one another. We need to really start to unlock what's going on up in here and we need to be able to reach out to each other. We need to be able to support and help each other. That is one of the core reasons why the British School of Etiquette was founded because the tools that we deliver and we offer, it's not just about that knife and fork. Yes, we do, as you know, absolutely. Knife and fork is fundamental. How we address ourselves at the table, all these sort of areas are fundamental. But the long and short of it is, let's look to how we can really make a huge effort, and I mean a massive effort, not only just to build our own uh, sort of emotions and understanding better and, and confidence, but can you imagine when we bolt on these type of programs into our learning, what you can do for yourself and for other people? It's endless, it's phenomenal. And this is really what life is all about. We have a core duty, not for ourselves immediately now, but for the people that come after us and the people that come after them. And we are the leaders of today. We have this ability and every single one of us can own that. Every single one of us can own that. So really, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who've had the, made this your precious time, and as we all know, time is the most precious commodity along with our health. Thank you very, very much for being with us this evening. And, and I wanna to go to, if I may, to the first question. So we've got a beautiful question. Richard, thank you very much for a great talk. How does one maintain the need to be emotionally intelligent without becoming too emotional in a professional setting, i.e. allowing your emotions to get the better of you? Yeah, that's a good question, Phil. Um, I think what I've learned is the hard part is initially becoming self-aware. It's actually becoming aware of the emotions that you are feeling and understanding their source or what has triggered that emotion. Once you get over that initial uh, consciousness that you develop within yourself, you start taking those emotions less seriously. Um, because, you know, with every thought, there is an emotion. 
And in fact, we have some people say 50,000 thoughts in a day. And with every thought, there's an emotion and there's a response in the body. So developing the awareness in the first place allows you to be less affected by the emotion as time goes by. Um, the important thing about understanding uh, emotional intelligence is it's, it's something that you develop over a period of time. It requires training, it requires coaching, and it requires practice. The more you practice emotional intelligence, the less affected you are by the emotions that you feel. And the more you use those emotions uh, critically and creatively to achieve the outcomes and goals that you set for yourself in your life. Um, yeah, so it's all about practice and it's all about uh, getting to understand yourself on an emotional level. And when you start doing that for yourself, you start noticing emotions in other people, whether it's through their tone of voice or body language or the words they use to express themselves. And you start taking it less personally because you understand that self-awareness and the way you manage your responses, uh, as well as social awareness and relationship skills, all work concurrently and together. So it's a journey. Um, and it, it, it's not true that you land up going down a rabbit hole of emotions and become very emotional. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. Great answer. I could elaborate on that, but Rich, there's quite a lot of feedback. I could, I could elaborate on that, um, but again, I think you answered that brilliantly. And thank you so much for that all. That, that's a beautiful, beautiful question. Nancy, thank you, thank you so much for your um, wonderful compliments. I really appreciate that. Uh, your question is, um, I've been told that I'm very analytical and that it is in my strength. That label served me well in my previous career. However, today I'm moving into a more creative realm. How can I, uh, how can I, I nurture or, or revive my creative side and see myself as... Uh, also being more creative and more dynamic in that area? That is such a wonderful question and thank you because I did speak about being able to toggle between the left and right brain hemispheres, the left hemisphere being more analytical and logical and the right hemisphere being more creative and intuitive. Um, is it ANSI that asked ans that question? Nancy, yes. yes, Nancy. Um, so, Nancy, you, you, it's, it's about self-belief. Um, if you believe that you were made um, with equal abilities in both your left and right brain hemisphere, in fact, as an infant, you were able to think with both sides of your brain. It's just the conditioning that you had through your education that shifted you into a more left brain way of thinking. So. Um, like the key with most things is changing your belief about that and accepting the fact that you are a creative person as well as an analytical person. And then um, do a little bit of research on um, how to come up with novel ideas using uh, brainstorming 
and uh, random association as a way of thinking, um, as well as, you know, delve into what lateral thinking really is, um, which dislodges the what is mentality, which is essentially analytical and opens up the what might be um, perspective, which is really uh, lateral thinking. In fact, I get that definition from the father of creativity, Edward de Bono. So change the self-belief, start doing some research in the way you can change your thinking, um, and then start using your environment, play music, feel how that music feels for you, and write how you feel about something, write a poem, even if you've never written a poem before, draw a picture, um, when you are talking, talk in images. Um, the more you practice that way of thinking, the more you will discover the creative person that is inside you. Oh, I love that. Beautiful. Beautiful. Right. Uh, that's a great answer. And again, I could, could very much elaborate. Uh, Gary, Gary's asked a question there. We spoke much about um, artistic pursuits. How can this be applied in a scientific and tech in the scientific and technical fields? Yes. Okay, um, Gary, thank you so much for that question. Um, I'm not a scientist, and um, I have not ever pursued a technical type of career. Um, but through my reading and the research that I've done on creative thinking and emotional intelligence, I can tell you that getting into flow, uh, creative flow, um, you can do that with numbers, percentages, um, angles, um, everything mathematic. Um, you can use the energy and joy and exuberance uh, of partaking in something that you love, which I'm hoping or imagine is uh, the pursuit of science or technical um, you know, pursuits. Um, use your emotions to, to, to get into a creative flow or a mind space um, where you can generate ideas which are framed um, within numbers, uh, within formulas, within algorithms. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a musician, um, but I believe that uh, music uh, requires a very logical, methodical, almost analytical process um, when it is um, written down. Now, we consider musicians creative, um, yet the formula for a piece of music is actually very mathematical. Um, so uh, you can tap into your creativity to increase your ability to pursue goals in, I believe, the science or technical fields. I hope that was, uh, uh, Gary, I hope that was um, sort of got through to answering your question there. Uh, and again, uh, Stephen, good to, good to see you on here this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I had the privilege of uh, working with uh, that, um, your amazing family and, um, a few, on a few occasions. 
Stephen, um, we can provide more information on the on the five day, well, which is the five week course and the seven week course. I think if it's okay with you, please uh, let's have a phone call. You can either speak with me or Sir Richard, and we can um, answer any questions that that you would like. I mean, uh, Richard, are, are you? Would you like to just sort of um, share a, a brief over, overview of the four, five week and the and the seven week uh, program? Yeah, I can do that with the greatest of pleasure, Phil. Uh, the five-week program, Emotional Intelligence and Personal Mastery, we have five modules. I won't go into too much detail because we don't have time. Um, but the first module is an introduction to emotional intelligence, where you really get to understand um, the personal and social aspects of emotional intelligence. Um, I also share an amazing change model, which I designed uh, which I've used in my own life um, to change my behavior and achieve results that I never thought I was able to achieve before. Um, and then we look at, in Emotional Intelligence and Personal Mastery, the five-week program, we look at the four key modalities that make up emotional intelligence. And that is your self-awareness, your self-management, uh, social awareness, and relationship management. In the Leading with Emotional Intelligence program, we have all those five modules. We just add on an additional two modules. Um, the, the, the two that we add on is leading a, a diverse team, uh, where we look at personality theory and dominant intelligence theory, uh, which will help you as a leader to not only understand your own strengths, and the way you like to solve problems and make decisions, but also how your team members also like to solve problems and make decisions. Um, it's a wonderful module, uh, which will give you a perspective which helps you to create cohesive teams of individuals operating within their strengths and delegating tasks is, is, is a key outcome. Uh, delegating tasks to strength is a key outcome of that. And then uh, we, we finished the seven uh, week program uh, with a module called Leading Your Team to Greatness, um, where we look at concepts like how you can employ vision, discipline, passion, and conscience uh, in your perspective as a leader and, and with your team. Um, we look at how teams develop in stages and what your role is as a leader in those various stages. Um, we also look at time management um, and how to develop smart goals, um, which, which, which ends the program. Um, the key thing about both programs is um, they are not, not just fun uh, to, to, to learn about yourself and about others, uh, but also they're very practical um, and we give you key tools uh, which will help you to apply the principles and concepts of emotional intelligence in your life, uh, in your relationships and in your work environment. Stephen, that's a great Stephen, that's a really great question. I'm so pleased to have it. Um, and I think it was obviously beneficial for, for everybody. And, and thank you very much for making the time to be with us this evening. Um, Mohammed, assalamu alaikum. Um, you've asked us a very interesting question. 
you know, being um, highly passionate and a perfectionist, what advice could you give me? This is uh, from Muhammad asking this question. Well, it's, it's interesting that uh, Muhammad talks about perfection. Eh? Perfection. So, Muhammad, I'm a very passionate person and I'm also a perfectionist. Um, I think passion is wonderful because it's the fuel that drives you to achieve your goals. And uh, don't limit your passion um, and, and be enthusiastic about the task at hand and about the people you love and the relationships that you have. About being a perfectionist, um, my wife has taught me how to accept imperfection. You see, she's an artist, a wonderful artist, and um, the process of creating art, you can stumble on extraordinary uh, thoughts, processes, and opportunities through making a mistake. And um, that mark that you make on a painting, which is actually a mistake, leads you down the road to creating a masterpiece. Um, so I have learned to park my perfectionism and pursue the process of creative thinking rather than insisting on the outcome, which is perfect. And through the process of creating, you come out with something more beautiful. What a beautiful, beautiful, um, what a great answer. And again, you know, Mohammed, for everybody's uh, benefit, you know, I think perfection doesn't really exist, whether we like it or not. Um, if you strive to be a perfectionist, you'll drive yourself around the bend. Uh, so I think strive to be excellent. Try, and, and, and I think strive to be better than yesterday. Strive to look at where maybe you fell down and look at, what tripped you up and how you can pretend you'll learn from it and what you can do to sort of reinvent or recreate or redo something. I think that's really, it's a lesson, you know, many years ago, I was very, so I'll never forget, ladies and gentlemen, I'll share a story with you. As a young boy, I was, my, my cupboard at home was neat, 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 neat. And I had a beautiful long cupboard. And I'll never forget, my mum came and hung um, a few of her long dresses in my cupboard. And oh, my hat, she literally had moved my coat hangers across. And I went, not ballistic, but I was like, mom, I'm really, <laughs> and I realized shortly after that, there's no point, there was no benefit in me uh, behaving in such a way, but it is, it's true. And I think we, we really need to sort of take stock of this um, because we are wanting the best for ourselves and for other people. And we do make this sort of, we, we, we create, we trip ourselves up by trying to be too perfect, you know, yeah. or trying not too hard sometimes. And sometimes we just need to step out of our way and uh, as you say, I love that analogy of that on the, and you're going, oh my head, I've just ruined my painting. And all of a sudden, boom, you've, you've, you've created something that is far more dynamic beyond your wildest imagination. Yeah. So it's a great, a great opportunity to sort of get these answers, uh, these questions and, and deliver some incredible answers. Are there any, um, please, ladies and gentlemen, while we're on this, uh, this, this great um, webinar together, please fire away with any further questions. I always, for those of you who know me, I always love saying that no questions are stupid question. The only stupid question is the one you never ask. So please, please fire away. Uh, we will all benefit from, from any question that you might uh, have. Now, anything at all. 
And any questions about emotional intelligence as a subject? Um, I'm very happy to, to answer that as well, Phil. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you. And we're getting wonderful compliments and thank yous and things like that. So I appreciate everyone. You know, it's, it's really, really wonderful to, to get your input and feedback. And again, you know, give us feedback. You can email us. You all have our email address at hello at the British School of Etiquette.com. We love talking to you. We're here to support and you know help in any way we can you know a conversation is possibly you know communication is one of the fundamental aspects that we 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 i think stop uh, ourselves in our tracks sometimes when we want to ask something and we oh maybe it's a silly question or maybe i'm going to waste their time it's not at all on the contrary it actually gives people an opportunity to really expand and spread their wings and grow and this is what this is really about uh, Nancy's come in with another question. Um, are there any books you would suggest we read on, on emotional intelligence? Yes, uh, absolutely. I think Daniel Goleman's book, um, Why EQ Can Matter More Than IQ, um, was a sort of foundational work that I studied um, when I started my journey uh, to discover emotional intelligence and what it means to me and what it means to my work and what it means to my relationships. Uh, so Daniel Goleman is so, the so-called father of emotional intelligence and that would be a very good book to read. It's not that easy to read, um, but if you're prepared to invest the time, uh, please do so. And um, there are any number of books on emotional intelligence if you just care to Google it. Um, I'll be coming out with my own book uh, entitled Leading with Emotional Intelligence, which will be available for sale uh, on Amazon and on the, in the shop at the British School of Etiquette um, in the next six weeks or so. Um, so please pick that up um, if you'd like to, to pick up some, a, a, a book on emotional intelligence. <laughs> and also, if I could just mention that um, when uh, our attendees go onto the website and you go onto the landing pages of each one of our emotional intelligence programs, um, you can learn more by downloading um, a PDF overview of each course, which is far more detailed than what I've been able to go into here. Super, Rich, there are a few more questions coming in. So um, Henriette has come in and says, my question is how greatly does creativity go with EQ? How directly? Yeah. <laughs> how, 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 yeah. Her question is how greatly does creativity goes with EI, with EQ? Well, I think, you know, um, my whole discussion this evening has actually been about the connection between emotional intelligence or emotions and creativity. Henrietta, the, the, the fuel that drives creativity is emotion, um, because emotion is the human impulse um, which drives all performance. Um, if you think about when you purchase a product, it's the emotion in the advertisement that grabs you to make that impulse buy. Um, it's the same when you create something. Um, it's the emotion that you feel, whether it's an unpleasant or pleasant emotion. Um, for example, a pleasant emotion can drive brainstorming and idea creation. Um, and 
possibly a more negative emotion um, is a better place um, for you to analyze the ideas that you've created in a happy space um, to see whether they are cost-effective or functional or make sense. So when you get to understand your emotions, you can start using your emotions uh, to be creative um, and to come up with new ideas and innovations um, and then actually have the fuel to drive the work you need to conclude um, the innovation and, and make it into something real. Super. Rich, define in one line, what is emotional intelligence? Emotional intelligence is being aware of your emotions and how they impact your behavior and to do exactly the same for others. Love it. Love it. It is. <laughs> for, me, for me, what does emotional intelligence do for you? It, it, it unlocks you. It unlocks your opportunities. It gives you the, the, the ability to almost feel that you can fly. And it really does. You know, we're all one person, one opportunity away from someone changing our lives for the rest of our lives. And when you've got this incredible opportunity to know thyself uh, better and to pick up on other people's, you know, energy, emotions, feelings, oh my hat, boom, you're going to create unbelievable relationships right across the, the board, the world. It, it, it is so, so powerful. And uh, we thrive on this, ladies and gentlemen. This is something that will really give you exponential value return. And not only that, it's something that will be passed down to the generations to come as well. So... You know, again, Rich, um, I always love, love these because I, I, you know, as much as you and I spend time brainstorming and thinking about areas and ideas, I, you know, it, for me, I, I just feel like I'm a sponge soaking up more and more water, which is just brilliant. And, and I can just, again, um, on behalf of the participants, we've just had beautiful, uh, firstly, incredible questions, which I think you'd agree with me on that. And not only that, we've had great praise from people coming on and just saying, you know, thank you for your valuable time and knowledge and looking forward to other webinars um, and, you know, the opportunity to engage. And I'm going to reiterate this, please, ladies and gentlemen, I love, um, and so does Richard, uh, enjoy speaking on a telephone or on a, on a Zoom call or whatever suits you. But if you prefer emailing, then please, again, feel free to, to email us. Uh, Richard's direct email is richard at the British School of Etiquette.com. Mine is philip with one L at the British School of Etiquette.com. And then, as a lot of you will know, hello at the British School of Etiquette.com. But please take some time to look at our website, go through the EQ pages. Uh, we're updating things all the time, and we really look forward to the opportunity at some point, maybe not Im imminent, but at some point, hopefully in the very near future, to connect with you and get to know you. Um, one more question is coming from Teresa. Um, can critical thinkers be creative? That's, that, that's actually from Henrietta. Can critical thinkers be creative? You're a critical uh, thinker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course, critical thinkers can be creative um, because critical thinking comes from vertical or logical reasoning. You know, um, when we make deductions, uh, from logical reasoning, we are thinking creatively, uh, uh, critically rather. 
Um, but when we are thinking creatively, uh, we're looking at things from alternative perspectives or different angles, and we're seeing things in a different way. Um, the key, uh, especially as a, a leader and, and also as a professional or knowledge worker, is to be able to toggle between the two um, and use your God-given gift of your left brain and your right brain. So critical and creative thinking are good friends. It's just a matter of how you see it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Right, Rich, what factors are at play when someone with a high IQ fails and someone with a low IQ succeeds? A low EQ or a low IQ? IQ. So basically what factors are at play when someone with a high IQ fails and one with a low IQ succeeds? Uh, okay, so, you know, I don't know the person, but I think we're talking hypothetically here. I think when a, a person with a low IQ succeeds, it's because they have a highly uh, developed sense of their emo emotional intelligence. Um, they are socially intelligent, um, which is a key uh, element, uh, a, a key that unlocks success uh, in business today is being able to um, eloquently express yourself or um, get on with other people. Uh, social intelligence, which is a key EQ skill, um, is actually more important than IQ when it comes to achieving success in business. Um, you know, and, and the ability to develop relationships, Phil, as, as you, you've been speaking about. You know, if you're able to have good social skills, um, you're good at developing relationships, that makes up for perhaps a lack in IQ. And you know what? Um, in the world that we live in today, you can delegate work to people who have strength in various tasks. And you can coordinate that um, rather than have to do those tasks yourself. So um, a person with high IQ that fails has low EQ. A person with low IQ that wins generally has a high EQ. And, and, I, and I vouch for that. Uh, Teresa, that's such a brilliant question. And I actually read somewhere the other day that uh, why do people who got all the A's in college and school work for people who got the C's <laughs> a lot of the time. And it's often because those people might have been pushed down and, and pigeonholed into you're stupid, you're dumb. And actually they weren't. They were just using different parts of their brain that didn't connect with the person teaching them. So there's a lot of in-depth um, knowledge here that we go into in, in a lot of our coaching and training and programs. And Phil, if, if, if I can just add something on there, the beautiful thing about EQ, EQ is something that you can learn. It's something that can be developed over a period of time. Whereas your IQ, unfortunately, is your IQ for life. 100%. And one, now here's a question, Rich. Get your pencil ready. <laughs> and this is from Claudia. So Claudia, thank you. Um, hope you're well. Um, how do you deal with team members that have different emotions during completing a task? Not everyone has the same reaction when performing a job. If they still have mixed feelings, 
should I fire those who feel differently from me? I tend to value every single opinion, but I feel that um, in keeping, I, I, I'm giving chances to people and becoming a doormat. So basically what Claudia is saying is, but I feel that I keep giving chances to people and I become the doormat. Rich, are you with us? Just bear with us, ladies and gentlemen, we'll reconnect. In Africa, for those of you who are in the know, um, or not in the know, they often have a power cut. So I know Richard's got a back, backup uh, generator. So please, I know you've all been incredibly uh, wonderful in supporting this webinar. Um, and I thank you for your patience and staying on board with us. I'm sure Richard will be jumping back on in a few seconds. I'm praying and hoping he will. I think, ladies and gentlemen, if Richard doesn't come back on in the next few moments, what I'm going to suggest we do is, Claudia, please, um, I, I would love you to email that question in and, and even book a call with Richard if you would like to um, make some time available to really help you on that, uh, on that particular topic because it's a fantastic, well, it's an amazing question and obviously it's something that's really giving you a challenge at the moment um, and there is definitely the opportunity to sort of unlock these unlock these doors that will allow you to really take control of the situation. Uh, he's coming back in now. There we go. Well, my apologies for that. Not at, uh, all. Not at all. I hope, I hope you got a hot cup of tea in that time. <laughs> no time for that. Um, so so did, you get, did you get the question? Yeah. How, do team mem how does a leader handle team members that are experiencing different emotions um, on the team? while they're, they're busy with the task. Yeah, and, she, and what Claudia is saying is that she's really starting to feel that, you know, she feels to, to she, uh, she tends to value every single opinion, but then at the end of the day, she also keeps giving everyone chances, which then gives her, you know, the feeling that she's feeling like she's being walked over or taken advantage of. Yeah, the two words that spring to mind are flexibility and assertiveness. Um, one has to be flexible enough uh, to, to move with the flow of the emotions. So if somebody is, is feeling dejected or somebody is feeling jovial, um, is not to judge that emotion, um, but simply accept it and go with it. Um, but at the same time, keeping your eye on the prize, which is achieving the goal, um, and remaining assertive enough and confident enough uh, to ensure that everybody stays on task. So it's a very difficult question, but the key, in, and certainly from an EQ point of view, um, is to develop your ability to be flexible 
and accept that people will have different emotions um, and at the same time keep everybody on task to achieve the goal um, by developing assertiveness um, which is not aggression um, it's confidence it's assertiveness so so that's my answer to that one and again, Claudia, I think from my perspective as well is getting to understand what makes each person tick. And, and yeah. this is something, you know, Know Yourself, Know Others is the most fantastic uh, short course is that we actually believe it or not bring in the, the, the love languages. Now, I, I, I mean, I use this throughout my life and it's really, it supported me tenfold. And, and many years ago, um, we were very blessed to, to take on a very dynamic young lady and very early on, I, I realized that she wasn't so much driven by money. It was more, she really, uh, really thrived on, on praise and, and she thrived on quality time. So one of the things, and, and I noticed to unlock, because she very much had a certain way of loving to do things, to unlock that, I gave her some free reign. So for example, when it came to choosing office furniture, I gave her free reign, very much to my absolute and, and I think my wife Kerry went nuts because she is a designer and she, who would choose that but it gave her this sense of ownership a b the other side of the coin when it came to her sort of love language I mentioned quality time now her fiance always had a Friday afternoon off and uh, I often used to say to 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 this young lady listen take Friday afternoon off and go and spend some time with with your fiance and as a result this started to give me incredible uh, I don't want to use the word as in payback in the sense of I felt she owed me something. Not on that at all. She would just pop into a class that we were running on a weekend, which wasn't part of her job description or remit. She didn't have to come. She would make an effort to come up to London and come and meet the students and hand chocolate out to everybody. So, Claudia, there are many ways to, to sort of look at this. And obviously, I think having a conversation with Richard um, and opening up a little bit more could really start to unlock these opportunities for you to be able to realize each person's potential individually and then marry them up to the task at hand and letting that unfold so for me this is a great what a wonderful in-depth question uh, so thank you so much for that richard uh raza sensitivity and emotional intelligence how can sensitivity affect emotional intelligence ah oh, what a great question we love this one yeah um, if any of you have studied psychology, um, you get people who we call highly sensitive people, HSP. Um, and it's, it's, you know, like you were mentioning, Phil, how we all have different love languages. Uh, for example, you mentioned quality time and giving somebody praise, which is actually words of affirmation. Um, so we have different types of personalities. Um, and you get highly sensitive people. So the key in having a relationship with a highly sensitive person or communicating with them or leading them is to accept the fact that they are highly sensitive people and not expect them to be like yourself. You see, when we don't advance our understanding about the different types of personalities that we interact with, we expect everybody to think and act and feel the same way we do. But it's not true. Just like we have different love languages, we have different types of personalities. And we also have different types of intelligence. 
Um, you know, you might find some people, like somebody mentioned earlier about science and technology, they probably have um, mathematical, logical intelligence. Um, whereas you might find somebody else who has spatial intelligence or somebody has interpersonal intelligence or intrapersonal intelligence. People with HSP have HSP. Get to understand that they are highly sensitive. Adjust your communication style and perspective so that they feel included um, and not different. And, and Raza, just to, I love that answer, Rich. Um, you know, Raza, just to, just to sort of elaborate on what Richard's sharing with you, I'm, I'm a very sensitive person. And, and I take, it's not so much to take things personally, I'm, I'm just sensitive. And it's something I've had to work on because, you know, for example, I have a wife, a wife who, who really is jovial and jokes a lot. And sometimes the joke sort of hits a slightly raw nerve and I'm, 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 I'm like, mm! but then I'm sort of, you know, we talk about bringing in certain um, key skills or, or practices. And, and I do, I have to sometimes count six seconds and think it through that was just what it was that, you know, what, what was the angle, what context was it? said in and all these sort of things and we i think we as human beings not think i know we as human beings we've got to learn to slow down we've got to start actually connect reconnecting with ourselves we all too wired up and we all too affected and absorbed by electronical digital data and gadgets and that sort of thing we need to reconnect a with ourselves and then in turn reconnect with the people around us and the people that we want to sort of get to know and explore and find out more about. And that, that's really the matter of the, the true fact of all of this. So, so did you get that, Rich? Yes, I did. Sorry, I had a... Not at all, not at all. Connection's a bit tricky uh, tonight. I just mentioned that in Africa, sometimes you get these power cuts which can sort of affect the... the, the no, unfortunately, yeah. no power cuts tonight. <laughs> So, so I think pretty much that, and, and again, we've had a wonderful sort of stay with people being online with us today, and it means a lot. Um, I, I think pretty much that is um, everybody so far, there've been some phenomenal questions. Uh, and again, please stay tuned, keep in touch with us. We will obviously be sharing material with you through newsletters. And, and as I said, from, from the British School of Etiquette, it's a true honor and a pleasure to have the opportunity to engage with you all. Um, and again, to sort of reconnect with wonderful people that we know from the past who keep reconnecting with us, which means a huge amount. So I thank all of you so, so much for everything, uh, Rich, that you've shared with us this evening. I thank everyone for their wonderful time. Uh, gee, one more question, Rich, from, from Noah coming in. If any person uh, controls his or her's reaction at the right place as well, so it will be assumed that he has EI or EQ control. I would put that down to EQ. It's EQ. 100%. Yes. <laughs> 100%. So on that note, um, and again, please don't stop the questions coming in. Send them through in an email. And we thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much, Phil, and thank you everybody for attending the webinar tonight and giving me the opportunity uh, to share uh, my favorite subject in the world, which is emotional intelligence. And I uh, hope you've enjoyed uh, discussing the connection between emotional intelligence and creative thinking. And I would love to see your faces on my programs uh, at the British School of Etiquette. So please don't delay. 
uh, join a class today and I look forward to seeing you in the future. I'm not letting you go just yet. One quick understanding here. What is a, 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 a sort of an explanation of EI versus EQ? Sorry, EI versus EQ. Yeah, they're, exactly, the they're exactly the same thing, uh, Phil. Emotional intelligence and emotional quotient refer to exactly the same thing. Absolutely. So that, that, that's a great question because we get, I mean, there's so many little anecdotes and things like that, but yeah, absolutely. And, and what we love to call it, ladies and gentlemen, is, you know, social etiquette, social awareness, emotional etiquette at the end of the day. This is what this is all about. Yeah. So again, thank you for Shukran, merci, obrigado, gracias, gracias, gabongakulu, whatever beautiful people there are out there from all over the world. Shukran, shukriya, thank you so, so much for engaging with us. It really is just fantastic. Thank and you, Phil. Thanks so much. Thank you all very much. Thank you, and wonderful evening ahead. Bye bye.